0: Heels off the top, Larkham, Herbert smashes through the middle, Griegan, drop goal from Larkham, up it goes, could you believe it, Larkham has to be de
1: Welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby Podcast. We are the podcast that's getting you over the game line on all of the hottest topics in Australian rugby. I'm Hugh Cavill. Um, I'm in the host chair this week. Reg is having a week off, uh, just spending some time with the family after a long season. And I can confirm to all of our listeners out there that, yes, I do have guests this week. I'm not rolling solo like last week, much to everyone's relief. Um, my first uh, and the first name on the call sheet, uh, Matt Rowley, how are you?
0: Good, mate. And it's, look, it's a real honor to be on the Hugh Cavill show. Thanks for having me aboard, mate.
1: <laughs> yeah, more, more than welcome, Matt. And if you, look, if you perform well tonight, uh, we might have you back again next week, but I won't make any guarantees. I'll um, great. Um, and also, um, coming out of the booth for his first appearance on the podcast, I believe he's had some involvements, but this could be the first run on start. Uh, Nick Wasiliev, how are you?
2: I'm good, Hugh. Yeah, it's very different to be, uh, to be out of the producer's chair uh, this week, but uh, absolutely loving it. Can't wait to have a go.
1: Fantastic. And without further ado, uh, our guest of honour tonight uh, for the first couple of questions. He's a man that we've spoken a lot about on this podcast this year. Um, I think it's fair to say we're all big fans of his work. Um, welcome to the Green and Gold Rugby podcast, Dave Vessels. How are you?
3: Yeah, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on. I'm I'm a bit nervous, to be honest. It's like I'm, you know, I finally got to call up to the pod. So, <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: thanks,
3: thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah.
1: Fantastic. Well, we'll get stuck right in. Uh, the, our five burning questions tonight. I'll just read them out at the start, and we'll get into them. Uh, question one: What is the Dave Vessels coaching philosophy, and why did it work work so well at the Force this year? Question two: How are the Melbourne Rebels shaping up in 2018? Question three, who had a better rugby championship, the Wallabies or the Springboks? Question four, what can the Wallabies take from beating Argentina? And question five, what should be the aim of the Wallabies for the rest of the year? But we'll get stuck right into question one, uh, the Dave Vessels coaching philosophy, and I think no better man to talk us through it than the man himself. Um, Davey, what, what's your background in coaching, and, and how did you get involved in rugby from the start, that, and, and, and sort of how has it led you to where you are today? Yeah,
3: I mean I always tell people Hugh, that I, the reason I started coaching is just because I was so terrible as a player. You know like I, I was I was I was genuinely pretty bad. <laughs> um, I uh, I played I played third team rugby at school and and I certainly didn't go to a big rugby school. So it just gives it gives you a, a fair indication of just how bad I was and um I always joke with people that the, the team the third team had a nickname We called ourselves the Icebreakers because we used to play so early in the morning, that our job was to sort of clear the frost for the other the other you know, the main guys who'd come on later. You know? um, but I, I think I think there's just something special about the game, you know. Like I think why do we all love rugby? It's like uh, I think there's something quite unique in a sport where I think in some way you've you've got to put yourself in harm's way for your mates, you know. And um, um, I, I guess I just I just loved the game, and I, I still love the game. You know, that's why that's why I do it. And I just I, I wanted to figure out a way to try to be uh a part of it and uh i just became you know very lucky with the the people that i met along my coaching journey and people that have helped me and been incredibly generous with their time and advice and and that sort of thing you know so i've just ended up in a position where uh, geez i think if someone had said to me 10 years ago you'd be coaching super rugby and living in australia uh, both of those things would have said they were absolutely dreaming you know but it's been uh yeah, it's just been a wonderful. It's just been a wonderful journey, you know, and uh, uh, I'm delighted to that the journey in Australia keeps
0: going. Uh, Dave, with uh, sort of a playing capability like that, can I just say that this is the podcast for you?
2: I'm
0: among friends. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you certainly are. Um, although I'm not sure many of us hit the heady heights of third team. Um, but you, you, you were talking about uh, your, your journey there, and you, you had some, you know, sort of great mentors or some people to give you some great input. Were there, you know, any particular names that stick out along the way?
3: Yeah, there's a lot, uh, Matt. I mean, um, um, I, I was probably, you know, when I, when I first started, just that irritating kid who just wouldn't go away. You know, like I started coaching under nine C's, and um, I took it way more seriously than any of the players were taking it. I'll tell you that for free. <laughs> um, and uh, you had it on
1: supplements, did you?
3: Well, I, I was running a super. Uh, I was trying to run a super rugby team intensity at uh, at an unseen level. <laughs>
0: um,
3: <laughs> but um, um, geez, I mean, obviously, uh, I think back home, you know, the, probably the, the the opportunity that really gave me a head start is 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 the Varsity Cup. I mean, it's just a brilliant comp. I mean, it's Monday night football. You, you the top the top age universities in the country play against each other, so you travel. You know, we were based in Cape Town, where we travelled on to Pretoria or, De, or, or jo, Joburg or Port Elizabeth or wherever. Um, and so it was, it was, it was, um, it was a, a real experience of of um, of almost, you know almost being a professional. And, and and we had some very good players in that team. even have and and uh, guys like Don Armand who's now playing for the Exeter Chiefs, Nick Groom, Dimitri Kachikilis. so It was it was just it just happened to be a very lucky team. Um, but I think it was it was serious enough to to for me to realize this is actually what I want to do with my life, you know. And um, um, I've got to actually apply myself pretty seriously if I, if I hope to make it, you know. And then um, um, you know, guys like Jake White and through 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 that varsity Cup competition, I think Jake sort of got to, got to know me a little bit, and and he he got the job at the Brumbies, offered me the opportunity to come over here to Australia, and then obviously Michael Foley when he he invited me to the Force, you know. So it's it's just a series of really lucky meetings and people that have given me a leg up along the way. You know, I'm very grateful to all of them. I there's no way I would be where I am now without all of their help. You
1: know. Fantastic. And and also, just to interject, I think I was in the sevenths uh, at school. So I think, um, you know, <laughs> no I tip my hat there's to no the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so I suppose getting back to the question, I mean, in the way that, you know, you've you've molded and you've grown your coaching philosophy, we saw it, you know, I, I I think it's fair to say we we saw it succeed um in many ways in the at the force uh in the in this season twenty seventeen and and um how do you sum up your own coaching philosophy and and why do you think it did work so well at at the force this year?
3: Yeah, Hugh. I mean, it's um I I think there's probably two things I should say. First of all, which is that the first is that um i made a, I made a huge number of errors you know and and if i look if I look back on it now like I cringe at probably some of the things I did last year and i, I hope that in ten years or twenty years time i' am able to look back in the year before and always say that you know and i think that's i think that's one of the great things about coaching is it just keeps you keeps you on your toes all the time it's probably one of those jobs you feel like you, you're never going to actually really get on top of you know um and the second piece of that is that we finished twelfth you know and 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 although I think we you know, we certainly finished the season well, and I think we showed some improvement in the course of the season. It 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 was lucky that our our season was kind of bookended by that, that Waratahs game. We lost in the first one, and then won to relatively well in the in the second one, and I think people could feel that there had been a been an improvement. But it is by no means any coach's ambition to finish twelfth. You know what I mean? So so it's it's, it's I'm, I'm always conscious when I talk about what we did and things like that that I feel very uh, well. I, f- I feel like the work was very incomplete and and. Uh, uh, we have a huge amount still to do there you know um, I, I think that when, when, when you when I started out coaching there 's probably really two parts to coaching one is the i guess sort of the science of coaching which is where do you put your foot you know how do you generate power in the tackle you know where do you finish your arms on a pass uh, all of those sort of things and I think when when you start coaching rightfully so you focus a lot on those things because um, there 's no ways you can stand in a room with top top-level international players and not know those things and have any credibility, you know. So you need to get up to speed with those things, and 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 you keep evolving, you keep learning those things. But I reckon the part of the, my coaching that I've focused on most over the last sort of 18 months, I guess, is probably the art of coaching, which is more about uh, getting people in the right mind space, trying to set the right culture for the team, make people want to work hard, make people want to play for each other, um, and ultimately, just really bring an intensity to what you're trying to do that can 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 uh, can rival or outgun your opposition, you know. And that's that's the part of my coaching in the last eighteen months or so that I've probably enjoyed most.
2: Yeah. Hi, David. It's Nick here. Um, kind of actually touching on that because I mean, you know, obviously. You always talk about how we always want to improve yourself as a coach, and yes, the force finished 12th. But uh, you know that last game against the Waratahs kind of really set a lot in the kind of the body language of the players and how determined they were, and how you know every week they gave out and they just gave it their best shot. Do you think kind of the that mental capacity of getting people in the right mindset is just as important, you know, as um, as the physical mindset, do you think you know? Did, did this kind of year present coaching like for you as a um, as a coach? Um, prove to you kind of the mental side of things that goes into um, that goes into coaching with those players.
3: Yeah, I, th- I think um, Nick, my, my my, I guess my view on, on the on 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 the coaches and the staff, so not only the coaches but the medical staff and the athletic performance staff and and all of those people is that. We are there really to serve to serve the athletes. You know, we we we're in an incredible, incredibly privileged position to be able to help young players realise their their dreams and their potentials. Um, so, what my job is as the head coach, I guess, is to try to set an environment that is the the best environment that I can that I can create. I I I want to try to create the best rugby environment in the world, and I want when people come to us to never want to leave because they're enjoying it so much. Um, but it ultimately is still up to the player to draw on the resources out of that out of that environment that he needs to make himself a good player. So um, a lot of people um, have been very generous and sort of said, you know, like, uh, I kept the team together well and all this sort of stuff. But in actual fact, the players deserve a huge amount of credit for that because mm-hmm. all I did was really try to set an environment. But it was really the players who at some point... Um, made a decision for themselves to buy into everything that we were doing, you know, and it didn't happen all at once. You got one guy and the next day you had two guys and then maybe you had five guys and they sort of started to, to all get in on the, in, in in the boat and start to row together. And that was, that was very, very much player driven, you know. Um, and I think, I think the players in the group deserve a huge amount of
1: credit for that. So shifting then to, to our next burning question, Dave, and, and I suppose looking forward to 2018, you talk about their setting a culture and setting an environment and now moving to a new environment, being, being the Melbourne rebels, um, you know, how, how do you think you're going to go about doing that? And, and have you had sort of, uh, you know, have you done much planning yet or is it, is it still very much in the planning phase?
3: Yeah. I, th- I think one of the things that, that probably, a, a, um, one of the many things that attracted me to Melbourne was just all through this process, I f- felt that it was, you know, it was really us, uh, us as in the force, the force and the rebels at the time were the, really the two teams drawn into this process, and and um, I, I feel like their staff and their players and their fans had the same uncertainty that we had as 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 a playing group and a staff and fans, you know, uh, and there's a there's a there's a kind of natural affinity that I sort of have with them. Um, to the point where we actually, you know, it's the only team in Super Rugby where we went out of our way at the end of the game to sit together and have a beer and do all of those things, you know, and that was long before the decision of of the outcome of the force was uh, was announced. Um, And being the two newer teams in Super Rugby, I feel like in some ways it's the force and the rebels, or traditionally has been the force and the rebels against the rest. Uh, And so the opportunity to go to another team that is potentially a, um, seen as a little bit of an outsider or a little bit of a, a, a little brother in Australian rugby, I think was very appealing. Um, when we were playing in the Varsity Cup many years ago, in the first year of the competition, um, Francois Pinot, who was organizing the competition, phoned us and one other university to tell us how the relegation phase of the competition was going to work. And when we got to the sort of media launch day, we found out that we were the only two teams he phoned. He didn't phone any of the other teams, so it was it was it was pretty obvious to him who he thought was going to be in the in the relegation battle, you know. And uh, um, we just decided, I guess, from that moment to just do everything differently. And John Dobson, who's now at the Stormers, was a massive part of that. We did everything. We had a we had a female manager, which was you know pretty in 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 some of the, the Afrikaans rugby cultures, some of those big universities is very unheard of. We wore pink. So our formal wear was pink. We had a pet donkey. Uh, we just did absolutely everything that was almost counter-establishment, you know. And I, I really enjoyed that kind of underdog mentality, and I, uh, I just enjoyed being part of that. And I feel like uh, that's what I enjoyed in 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 Perth, and and I feel like Melbourne gives us the same opportunity to have to, to, to build that same culture. Uh, and so that's that's one of the big reasons why 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 I've uh, elected to to or been lucky enough to come to the Rebels, and I think. I think the other thing is just the playing list, you know, like um, if I look, a lot of people have made a fuss about some of the players that are coming over from the force. And, of course, there are some good players coming. But in actual fact, there's some very exciting players that are here in Melbourne uh, and particularly some very good, exciting young players. Um, and I think, uh, you know, 90 percent of coaching is recruitment. So if you if you're looking at that list and you're saying I've got the opportunity to coach some of those young guys, and what could we create from them? What could we make out of them? Uh, I think that's pretty exciting, you know. No one would have, no one, you know, people would have lost us 12 months ago if we said, you know, uh, Richard Hardwick was going to be a Wallaby or uh, Curtis Roaner was going to be a Wallaby or any of those sort of guys. And, um, and, and I feel like there's a lot of those, those guys in, within this group.
0: So um, I'm pretty sure then there's going to be a whole bunch of people listening to this podcast, probably, you know, students of the game writing down, you know, pet donkey um, as, yeah. His, K- his, K- name, his K- name was
3: Pancakes. He was. It was uh, a. <laughs> he, he saw some stuff at the at the uh, at the annual Christmas party. I can tell you, <laughs> Pancakes will never be the same again. <laughs>
0: oh. <laughs> wow well, well, that, that stays on tour. That's right. Honestly. Exactly. Um, right. <laughs> but um, look one of the things in, in, I guess, when you look at, and we've kind of looked at almost all Australian super teams. um, I say almost all the Australian super teams uh, during the season was they're just, and I think uh, then checker commented on it when it got to Wallaby training camp was about, you know, S and C. And, you know, you know, I think checker had said, look, you know, basically the guys just weren't fit enough when they got there Uh, as the rugby championship has has, has developed. Um, we've seen the Australian performance lift, um, and I think most people are sort of commenting a good chunk of that has to do with sort of some conditioning that they've kind of built in there. I said almost all teams because it did seem to my untrained eye that you know, at the force, you had a very good work ethic that was working, and I think you touched on um, maybe some of the reasons why. And as part of that work ethic, you know, you would you, you would imagine that you know some some good S and C would kind of um, go with that. Um, a did you, was that a deliberate thing that you guys kind of uh, worked towards uh, at, at the force?
3: Yeah, um, so we had some very positive feedback from Chick around the, the the SNC work that our guys came into camp with, and I think you know the work ethic and again that's that's a credit to them, not necessarily to to, to us as coaches, but certainly to those players, um, and probably why you saw so many force players getting into that group. You know, uh, the three things that we said at the start of last year we wanted to improve at the force. One was was conditioning. Uh, we had to be fit. The second thing was we wanted to uh, improve our skills base. And so we hired a a full-time skills coach for the first time. And I think, I think uh, I certainly felt like that work really paid off uh, towards the back end of the season. And then the last thing is that we wanted to, you know, we wanted to to, to hire the right staff and as I sort of say, create the, create the the world-class environment that we, that, that, that that we'd hoped for. And, And certainly in terms of the staff, I couldn't have been happier with the staff that we had, you know, there's, there's, um, it's, a, it's a real privilege to work in super rugby, but it's, it's very hard to find staff who want to win, you know, and, and particularly when the going gets tough, guys are prepared to make sacrifices to, to get through their work and bring an intensity every day that results in winning. And I felt like that staff was pretty unique in that regard, you know. So we were just very lucky with, with those three components uh, coming together.
0: Well, and because it seems like, uh, and I can see why you would have had that conversation with Czech, because, I mean, it's such a foundation of his game um and he made no bones about it with what he did with the waratahs and then he's made no bones about what he's been doing with the with the wallabies about it being a really really important part of it and i think to outsiders looking at that i guess it was just it was almost a big head a bit head scratching why any super rugby coach in the australian setup wouldn't realize that that was going to be really 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 important obviously you guys got the drift yeah. or you did, you did it independently. How is it possible to kind of miss that message? Because clearly some of the other yeah, franchises well, I think, did.
3: Yeah, I think probably some of the way, you know, my interpretation of some of the stuff I read in the media about it is they oversimplify, I think, what checks sort of saying. You know, like this. I mean, what is fitness? You know, what is, uh, mm. it's a very broad definition. Uh, and, and uh, you know, none of the franchises are running a, a fitness model where there's a guy with a clip clipboard and a floppy hat sitting under the tree and a stopwatch, you know. Uh, like, n- nobody in, in Australian super rugby is at that level, you know. Like, there's there's a lot of thought and a lot of sciences that's going into it. It's, it's what are you going to prioritise? Are you going to prioritise size? Are you going to prioritise endurance? Are you going to prioritise speed? Uh, is it the same for positional groups? Uh, does that marry up with the way that you want to play? Uh, all of these things, It's it's not – yeah, I think I think in the way that the media portrayed it, they really dumbed down like guys, guys guys are not fit enough as in they can't run enough, you know. And maybe that's what Czech meant, but I I very much doubt it. I think he's thinking much more specifically than that. And and I think part of the challenge now is to get all of the super rugby teams um aligned from a from an athletic performance perspective. And there's been there's been huge progress over, on that over the last couple of months. You know, in New Zealand, uh a player, particularly one in the, the all black system is um his athletic performance development or his um uh, is is um is overseen centrally um and that information or th- those guidelines are then passed down through into the fr- at franchise level so what you end up is with is 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 a single view of the athlete 12 months of the year where previously what we what we largely had was for half the year he was in its you know our players were in a super rugby environment and then half the year they were in a wallaby environment and the two didn't necessarily marry up um, and I think Czech and his staff and and and, Wits and them have just done a great job now in streamlining all of that and and putting systems in place to say, hang on, guys, we can we can get a better outcome for everybody here if we make sure that the player is is properly planned twelve months of the year, you know.
1: Yeah, fantastic. Well, Dave, I realise we've taken up a, a bit of your time, so we'll move on quickly to question three because I do want to hear uh, after the Sorry, round probably, of international.
3: I'll probably, I've waffled on and borne bored people to tears. I'm sure.
1: No, not at all. It's been fascinating. Um, so, quickly, last question: um, Who's had the better rugby championship, the Wallabies or the Springboks? And I think you've got a bit of a unique perspective, um, yeah, as a South African, but also involved in the Australian rugby setup a bit. So, um, yeah, who's who's had the better tournament?
2: Uh,
3: it's funny. I actually think both of them should be relatively happy with with where they're at. You know, like they've all made both of them have made significant progress um i look at that springbok team it's a totally different team from the team that played last year you know you can you can see it when they warm up you know you can see alistair Kutsia goes over there and uh, someone said the other day claps his hands and all the t- all the players come around him like there's just an energy in that group at the moment I think what they're probably lacking in the Springboks is just one or two big stars, like real game breaking stars, you know. Um, but they have a lot of very young players, and I actually reckon you know, come World Cup time they'll be right, they'll be they'll be in the mix. There's no doubt about that. That if they if they keep improving at this rate, you know. Um, and, and I think probably the same thing is true for for the Wallabies. You know, both both those teams got got a, got one hiding along the way, but other than that, have been very very competitive. And what I've liked about the Wallabies is uh, I think Czech is getting. Closer and closer to uh, a very clear view of who his top players are, and you could see. I mean, him just selecting the same team back to back was, was I think, a big step, you know. And, and that's, he's, been, I think, he's been very really smart in the way he's given a lot of different people some exposure over these last couple of months. But I think as we, as we start to see us build into the World Cup now, uh, Czech will start to, start to rely more and more on some, on some combinations and really build. Build that experience together going into the World Cup, and I reckon I reckon we're going to be in pretty good shape uh, um, in in a couple of months' time.
1: Well, I will say, I, I will say that the the one the one player who I think is hitting, hitting his straps really nicely, David. You must be licking your lips. Is Will Genia? He's he's looking uh, in great form, isn't he? Yeah,
3: I mean, I, I don't know Will well. I've actually only met him once, um, but uh, I, I've also just heard from some of our uh, you know some of the boys that I do know in the camp how much his you know how much work he's doing uh, on his, on his leadership and things like that, and that's that's really pleasing to hear. I mean, everybody knows he's a good rugby player, um, but to hear that he's uh, that he's, he's kind of taking a leadership role and stuff is very encouraging. So I, I can't wait to to start working with him.
2: Mm. Kind of examining the the uh, like the actual rugby championship itself. I mean, for, I mean, the, it was a very bizarre one for both the box and the Wallabies, not the least of which because. You know they drew both their games, and I think in the history of the the of between the teams, I think that's only ever happened twice beforehand. I think do you th- what do you think the the both those teams will kind of take out of particularly specifically those games because they look the both players look like the both sorry both teams look like they're in like a very similar place in that they're building, but there's a lot of encouraging signs.
3: Yeah, I mean, they certainly are nowhere near the, the finishing put-up, but I think if you just look at the Wallaby attack and the progress that they've made in their attack, like when they get the ball, they genuinely look dangerous, you know, and uh, um, um, there's still some very good players to come back into that mixed-through injury, and, and obviously guys like David Pocock come back, and um, um, as I say, I think I think Chick would be very, very encouraged with the work and the progress that they've made in that area. Um, and I think similarly for the, for the Springboks, you know, like a lot of guys talk about, the uh, the sort of physicality of the Springbok game being being something of yesteryear, mate. That's what that's what the Springboks are good at, and you could see when they bring it, you know, like mate, teams don't like it, you know, opposition doesn't like it, and uh, I think there's just so deeply ingrained in South Africa's DNA that I, I feel like that that big physical confrontational type of rugby is is how the Springboks should be playing. When they played like that on on Saturday. Um, uh, you know, I, I thought that I thought they created some real problems and some real discomfort for the All
1: Blacks. Well, thanks so much, Dave. We've, we've taken up enough of your time. It's been really insightful having you on. Um, wish you all the best uh, next year with the Rebels and hope we might be able to get you on next year as, as a bit of, a, bit of a, a progress update and to see how you're going because I think I know I've certainly really enjoyed this chat and, uh, yeah, look forward to doing it again soon. Thanks so much for coming on.
3: Thanks thanks, thanks for having me, guys. I've always enjoyed uh, listening to the podcast, so you're um, welcome to invite me back any time if you'll have me.
1: Fantastic. Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. Cheers, eh? Cheers. Thanks, uh, thanks very much to Dave Vessels. Um, yeah, he's, a, he's a fan of the sh- uh, show. We're a fan of him, um, and I thought he was a, he was a fantastic uh, guest, uh, Matt. Um, do you, any insights picked up there?
0: yeah I mean i you know first of all, great to have a love in like that from some average rugby players getting together just that he's happened to go on <laughs> to coach at one of the highest levels, which is great um no look i I thought that little insight about you know the the the, the s and c was fascinating um that obviously nothing had been done about it <laughs> last season. Um, but that they'd obviously, I mean, finally learnt the lesson, and it sounds like there's going to be a lot more um, of that going on, and you know, everyone's sort of picked up that it's it's clearly, um, you know, a, a key foundation to to Wallabies' success. Um, so thank God it's finally being taken seriously.
2: Mm. Yeah. Just, yeah, yeah. So, sorry, sorry. Yeah. I just found a it hilarious it chain eam about about the story of the donkey. <laughs> but I just thank yeah.
1: the donkey. Yeah, I, f- I feel like with some of the forces injury troubles last year, Pancakes might have been close to getting a run at. I, it. <laughs>
2: I just found it also really fascinating his um like his story about how his rise as a coach because I mean you know he he, he you know he see he talk, he admitted that he said he thought he wasn't a very good player but how passionate he was as a coach and how it you know how he did all the work at in the varsity cup and how that led to him. Uh, be, um, getting to know Jake White and how Jake White gave him an opportunity here in Australia and how that led to the force. It's just, it's a fascinating story about the rise of, of a coach. And I just think, you know, to see where he is now, I think it's fantastic. It's what a great story.
1: Yeah, and, and if you're a Rebels fan, you, you know, you, I think you'd be pretty comfortable looking at some of the things that are going on. Um, in Australian rugby at the moment, as I said, Will Genny is in sensational form and he's coming your way. And the rumor is Adam Coleman and Dan Hale at Petty and, and a couple more of these guys are also heading your way as well. And and you throw in a form of a guy like uh, Jordan Ulessi, who's barely pulled on a Rebel's shirt and is already now a capped wallaby. Um, and, you know, a few other guys that are, that are floating around. Um, you know, you'd, you'd have to have a lot to like Marika Korobiti as well. So... A lot to like for Rebels fans and let, let's hope they can have a bit of a change of fortune in 2018 with Dave Vessels at the helm. But look, let's press on. Uh, we had a wallaby test on the weekend, which we've barely touched on. Um, obviously beating Argentina 37 points to 20. Uh, a couple of late tries really going away from the Argentinians after it was 20 all in about the 55th minute. Um, fair to say it was a, was a patchy performance, but, uh, mm. A pretty good win in the end. Um, so, Matt, the question is, and I'll start with you: What can we take from from beating Argentina there? And you know, is was it a, was it a good performance? Did you
0: think, or was it was it a bit of a scrappy one? Well, Hugh, first of all, that's not the question that's written in our notes. So, what's written in our notes is: What can the Wallabies take and, take from beating the tenth place Super Rugby side? Um, so, <laughs> Look, <laughs> show them some respect. Show,
1: yes. show the nation. We've got plenty of Argentinian listeners, and to them I say buenos dias. What my point is, is they're more than a 10th place super rugby side. I wanted to refer them to them as as, uh, as Argentina, but you can, you
0: can call them what you want, Matt. Yeah, well, look, you know, you, t- you you take on the Irish, I'll take on the Argentinians, um, <laughs> and and I and I did think that was a uh, you know a bit of a disparaging note. You know, the Argent- Argentina always sort of list their game internationally. Having said that, obviously they, they they walk away from the rugby championship without a win, um, and having said all that, I mean, the reason why I thought this was an interesting question was I think there was a bit of discussion on the Green and Gold Rugby forums, and there was a few people sort of saying, well, yeah, it was a win, but it wasn't a great win um you know kind of using the the that point about you know how well or how you know, well this argentinian team hasn't done in the rugby championship um and how that is pretty much the same team in the super in super rugby but look i i do beg to differ i think thirty seven twenty uh, you know, in Mendoza, uh, at any time is, 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 pretty damn good. Uh, especially when you could see some of the fatigue of the rugby championship and all that travel starting to play out with the Wallabies. Um, and for them to kind of manage to lift in the second half, uh, I think they did, you know, really, really well. The, the other piece that I really liked about that was that, look, there was a, there was a bunch of names in there who were pretty green, um, to international rugby, you know, Isaac Rodder, you know, Corabidi, um uh obviously uh Dempsey at six. Uh we also had, you know, um, you know, a few of the replacements coming on, uh, like, you know, Tui and then also Faulkner. And I'm sure I'm probably missing out a few. Um and you know, and that's not counting obviously the guys like Reese Hodge, who's he's probably got quite a few caps under his belt by now, um, who really started to excel. So I thought considering there was a bunch of sort of like I say Um, fairly greenhorns there at this end of the season. And at the end of the day, 37 points, um, they did really, really well. And that was even with a bit of, you know, shonky kicking from Foley. The thing I liked about the performance the most, I think, is that you just got the feeling that the team continues to kind of coalesce. that they're obviously all a lot more comfortable in what all their roles are as a team, um, you know, and how they're playing in this style. And and I kind of felt that they just basically gave themselves to the process um, a little bit more in this game. Uh, and, you know, there, some people have talked about how, you know, Beal and Falau maybe didn't play such big roles like they have in other, te- in other games. But at the end of the day, if you, if you still roll out 37 points, delivered by not those big names and I think that's a pretty good thing and you know we we kept it you know more narrow than we have um at, at other times I think the Fords did a lot more work I think they were getting over that gain line um you know brilliantly against what's a pretty Argent you know physical Argentinian pack they also stood up and we did stood up pretty well in the scrum I thought uh line out didn't function too badly either so you know Again, it was just ticking more. For me, it was ticking more of those boxes of a team that is, you know, kind of slowly coming, starting to come together. It does seem to take some time, but, you know, the more time that this team has um, working with Czech and working together, it it does feel like it's taking steps forward. It does. And I think your point there at the start about, you know,
1: playing Argentina in Mendoza, I think. You know, I think we're a bit immune to it these days with the travel that's involved in the professional game. But, you know, we've just come a back-to-back off to what you would say is two of the three or four hardest assignments in world rugby. The Springboks on the high and in Argentina in Argentina. And, and, you know, these are the great fortresses of world rugby. And we've come in and, you know, taken away a high-scoring draw with a box And 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 a pretty comfortable win against Argentina. So I think yeah, there's something to be said for you know home ground advantage and and the disadvantage that puts you as a visiting side. And I think to combat that, as we've done in the past couple of weeks, has been been pretty great. Um, and great to see. And you're right about the forward performance. Um, Nick, I mean, was that one of the elements that was pleasing to you? Because I certainly think the way that we took it to Argentina up the guts and you know at the set piece and in the tight forwards was one of those really pleasing aspects.
2: It was. It was a really pleasing aspect of the game. I was really the kind of thing that really stuck out for me was, and you know, we've been mentioning it the whole uh, the whole championship, but the fitness of the Wallabies, um, particularly in the closing out of the match, because it was. I think it was up until the the 60th minute that um, that the match was. It could have gone either way, and. It was those those tries by Hodge and the and the kicking of Foley and I think yeah yeah it was it was just those taking those opportunities taking those moments and lifting in that final game. I mean, the, I thought you know the because for a lot of that game it was it was a scrappy match, but it was kind of scrappy from both sides because they were it was kind of an arm wrestle until that last twenty minutes. And you know, like we mentioned, you know, Mendoza is is a tough place to play at. I think you know only two teams have ever actually beaten Argentina in Mendoza, which is the Bucks and the Wallabies. So to get a win there is, is no ill feat. And I think, you know, because another thing to consider, obviously after all this, now that the rugby championship is over, um, we haven't lost since Dunedin, which, and, you know, even though it was, yes, it was two draws and it was two wins, but, you know, I'd rather take a win any day of the week than, than a loss. And I think that you got to win ugly, and to you got to you know win ugly, and you've got to play those kind of games and, and draw and close out those kind of games well. And that's what something that I've really been—that's uh, something that I really noticed uh, the Wallaby step up in this match, and something that I've really noticed throughout the entire championship. And I think it's a great thing. It's interesting what's going to happen when they play in Brisbane against the. Um, against the All Blacks because you know it, they look they do look like a side that has kind of come um come a long way since you know that that awful first half in sydney
1: yeah i mean that's a great segue because i think you know this that as low as a dead rubber, but only only in name. I mean, it is a huge fixture for the Wallabies because I think it becomes a referendum on 2017 for them. You know, if they win that game or they run the All Blacks close in, in a really good performance, um, you know, I think you, you, your points are right. We, we can see that growth through the year and the early losses, the Scotland loss and that horrible blood is low in Sydney. That wouldn't be forgotten, but certainly that would be viewed as, as anomalies, bumps in the road, but ultimately, you know, we've, we've got to where we're hoping to go. I think if you look at, you know, the Wallabies coming out and losing that game, if they mail in a performance in Brisbane, if they're erratic and inconsistent, as we know they can be, then, you know, I think you look back and you look at the wins as the outliers, and you go, well, maybe we just had a couple of good weeks against bad opposition. And actually, the the the... Way that this Wallaby team is is when the good opposition come knocking, then we fall to pieces. So I, I think there's a huge amount on the line for Michael Checker and the team um, coming into to the Brisbane Bloodslo. Matt, I mean, what's what's your read? Do you, do you think we can actually, you know, win that game?
0: Well, look, you know, if we don't, then we just say it's less of a referendum, more of a non-binding postal vote, mate um (laughs) yes and and, 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 and treat it that way um yeah i mean it, it is big it's uh well well it's basically yeah it's he's got the mental toughness and he's gonna sort of step up there um it's been fascinating if you think about it you know that second half in sydney with which the wallabies uh won um you know dunedin which you'd say like you know really that was our opportunity that we 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 you know, could well have won and maybe um, should have won. Um, so what happens next? It's it's a really, really interesting one. And there was just sort of talking about, you know, where the wallabies are at now. There was a fascinating piece of analysis um, that – um, Rugby Reg actually pinged our way this afternoon. It's from a guy called Simon Gleave. You can find it at Simon Gleave, G-L-E-A-V-E, all one word on Twitter. And he's the head of analysis at Grace Note Sports. Um, anyway, he's, um, he's done some work. And what he does is, uh, you know, e- each um, – each match, he kind of does a bit of a where he talk, He looks at um, you know uh, sort of twenty two entries, or you know who gets into the twenty two section, and then what they do when they're in that section. Um, and he's got some fascinating analysis here which actually looks at the whole season and he's compared New Zealand against Australia against South Africa and Argentina and then basically the the columns he's got a 22 entries per match so number of times you get into the opposition's 22 points per 22 entry and then 22 entries conceded per match and points conceded to per 22 entry so it sort of talks about how um effective you are at attacking and getting into the opposition's 22 but then also how efficient you are once you're there now what's really really interesting here is probably no surprises new zealand um you know topped the log as far as that number of times they get into the opposition's um, Twenty-two. So they get in there tw- uh, just over 12 times. Australia gets in there just over nine times. South Africa um, just under eight times and Argentina just over six times. So – and you'd probably, you know, agree with that as far as, um, uh, you know – how that, how it's kind of, the, the championship has gone. But then as far as how many points, uh, you actually make when you get into one of those entries, um, and this is really interesting. Um, so Argentina are only making 2.41 points for every um, time they get in. South Africa are making about 2.79 points. Um, New Zealand are making 3.29 points and Australia are making 3.38 points. Um, so actually in terms of efficiency of who's scoring more points for each visit into, uh, the opposition's 22, the Wallabies are actually out on top. So, um, now at the end of the day, though, um, it's not far off New Zealand and they're making more entries, which is why they're winning the matches. But it is a really interesting point. And we've been talking about this, uh, probably, I don't know, <laughs> it feels like this whole international season, Hugh, um, which has been, is it our imagination or are the Wallabies getting better? Um, and and you'd have to say, um, you know, with that sort of efficiency, yeah, they definitely are. Um, and uh, you know, to be actually shading the All Blacks on any element of your attacking. Um, that that's that's pretty fascinating. So it'll be really interesting to see uh, this weekend. It, it's but uh, you know the thing that's uh, not this weekend. The, the weekend following you know, in the final um, bled, and I will be there. I'm making the trip to Bris Vegas um, to see it live. Um, oh wow! It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be. Who can who can raise the intensity? Who can who can bring that? Because that's exactly what the Wallabies are going to need. Well, to it's,
1: are to. you talking about? Oh, I thought you were talking about you and Reg in the stands in the chairman's box. Uh, <laughs> the intensity that you bring to that
0: particular corporate environment. Well, you know, I'm in training for that uh, pretty much every day of the week. So uh, yeah, that's 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 that, that's my playground, mate. Welcome to. Well, it's you know, fair to so say you know.
1: Well, that's right. And it's fair to say at the Scotland game this year, you underperformed, I thought. And, you know, you really are probably better than that. And it's probably time, you know, you showed it towards the end of the season.
0: Exactly. Well, there's a lot of travel involved, though, you? So that's my <laughs> <guess>. <laughs> yeah.
2: it's, it, it's an interesting point, though, kind of going back to what you commented on about the, kind of about the Wallabies attacking uh, attacking mentality and how that they um, do well whenever they venture into the opposition territory. When uh, people were chatting to Dan in the leading up to the match against Argentina, he actually said that he voted, he considered the Wallabies' attack definitely to be on the same level as the All Blacks, um, in terms of that it was extremely difficult to defend against, which kind of begs the question of, you know, and kind of leading on to uh, the last burning question of, should our aim be for the rest of the year is, if we have fixed our attack, should it all be about defence?
1: Yeah, I think I think a hundred percent. I mean, I, I, we've talked a lot about Nathan Gray in the aftermath of that first Bledisloe and that defensive performance there, which was was you know pretty abominable. Um, and I think you know we've tightened it up to some extent. Uh, you know, certainly the the plugged that made the leaks in the dam. Um, but uh, you look at the amount of points that we've conceded this year, and and I think it's probably you know, important also to step back and say that we're not necessarily an outlier in this in that it's been a pretty high-scoring rugby championship. And I think at the moment, the laws tend to favour attacking sides over defensive sides. And, you know, you're seeing games like, the, you know, even the All Black Springboks, which was a tight physical encounter, the score was still 25-24. So we're not seeing those do a sort of 9, 10, you know, 6-8 games, um, you know, with a, with a single-digit scoreline. So, I mean, I think, the points that we're conceding are not necessarily uh, hugely concerning, but I think we saw it in Argentina: the, the tendency to get turned around on counter attack, uh, the tendency to make errors and have gaps in the midfield where a centre's marking a prop or a second roller. I mean, that's the stuff that we've been been struggling at all season. And watching the All Blacks Springboks game, that was where the All Blacks cooked the Springboks is on that counter attack. If you give them a, a line that's not set, a line from a mistake or a line from a kick. Um, that doesn't find the grass, then they're going to they're crucify you. And I think, you know, as much as it is, um, you can say it, I think our attack's pretty, pretty okay, the state that it's in. Um, I think that's, uh, that's our defense, and that's where it's going to come down to in a couple of weeks' time. But, you know, Matt, as you've said, who knows, we might just train, you know, if we train defense for two weeks, then our attack goes out the window completely and we forget how to pass.
0: Well, look, and here's the thing is like, yeah, things can fall apart like that. But as you're just talking about, we know that Checker takes the dentistry approach um, to coaching and it's kind of like one chapter at a time. Um, And it might just be that the final chapter that he adds in, because it kind of feels like these last few matches we've actually started to add in a few chapters rather than swap them in and out. Um, But yeah, it might just be that, you know, tightening up those those defense and and those line breaks. But because – the other fascinating piece of this res- this res- uh, well, I was going to say research analysis that Simon Gleave has done is then those twenty two entries conceded per match and the points conceded per twenty two entry, um, and what it says there is that Argentina give away um, almost eleven entries per match, Australia ten, uh, South Africa eight, and New Zealand six point three. Um, so. I think that's really, really fascinating. It sort of talks about... Now, that could be through a number of factors, right? So it can be if you're conceding penalties um, or you're conceding territory. um, And obviously, if you're conceding line breaks or uh, and those sorts of things. And I think, you know, those things, um, you know, conceded or, you know, you're not, um, you know, managing to take, you know, uh, hold on to your retakes, um, restarts, for example. Um, All those things would contribute to that, you know, conceding these 22 entries. But what's really interesting is if you then look at the points conceded for each of those 22 entries and argentina concedes about 3.3 south africa about 3.2 australia just over 2.8 and new zealand 2.74 so what that's then saying is when you let people into your 22 so they managed to get there and we let that happen too often we're actually not far off being as efficient as New Zealand in our defence in the 22, um, which I think is really interesting. And I think one of the things, the hallmarks of that, I think that's the chapter that seems to have been added in, um, a couple, you know, about halfway through this rugby championship has been that scrambling defence. Um, which has mm. been fantastic, um, you know, and, you know, Michael Hooper, I think has, has shown in that, you know, those sorts of tackles he was making, you know, literally on, on try lines um, that, that the Wallabies have really, you know, started to do that. And obviously fitness has got a lot to do with that to, together with attitude. Um, but if we can just start and to t- start to tie it up, Tighten up um, a few of those other aspects of the game. You know whether it's the restarts, whether it's penalties, whether it's conceding line breaks and 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 and, and offloads, which he clamped down with more um, dominant tackles. Um, then you know the sort of the efficiency that we're showing in the 22, um, that really might start to pay off. And I think that's when we'd see dramatically changed results. And I agree with both of you guys, if we could pull those two things together, slot in that final chapter of the coaching manual, um, you know, this end of season tour could look, you know, a lot better.
1: Um, (laughs) so let's, let's move to our last question. Um, which was a great segue from from Matt there, and I think talking about the end of year tour, and from here on we've got a game against the All Blacks, we've got a game against the Barbarians, we've got Japan, um, England, France wales i think and scotland are in there too i don't know how many games they're playing but i think it's that's roughly our itinerary so i mean what's our aim for the rest of the year is it just i mean can you can you sum it up in wins and losses or is it more of a mood thing nick i mean is it just about keeping this form going i mean obviously we, there's always talk of the grand slam and whatever we're doing but i mean um, is or is it just a, a simple goal like just beating england at twickenham mm.
2: People always talk a lot about the Grand Slam and oh, the the wins matter at most. And I, I, you know, obviously wins do play a role in, you know, the confidence of, of, um, of the players. But you know, kind of mentioning what Matt mentioned before, um, you know, because we, you know, particularly in regards to attack and defence, it's just building on that game on and on on the game that they've been developing during the Rugby Championship. I'm quite curious as to see what's going to happen when they actually go to obviously after you know obviously after the uh, the All Blacks performance, what happens in in Europe? Because obviously the you know European um, the European teams you know Wales, England, Scotland play a different style of game compared to kind of the faster paced uh, style and kind of more throwing it about of of you know teams like of, of teams like New Zealand. So I think. You know, it, to be honest, I think you know it's, it, I think it's, it's a mentality of we got to keep doing what we're doing and do it better, but also that now's the time to make because it has been a patchy year. It's been a very you know it's been a year of, of ups and downs, but this is the first time that we started to see something very encouraging. Um, you know, like the games in South Africa, like the matches against Argentina. Um, I think that it's, it is kind of, i not necessarily say statement time to say, but it's also, it's a time to say, this is how we're going to play. This is the style that we're going to play. And it's time to refine that and make it work. So, you know, whether we get the wins or not, what kind of real, like, it may come down to, because obviously I think a lot of fans at the moment are kind of going based on whether we get wins or not. Um, I just want them to play good rugby. Simple as that. I want them to play good rugby, have a good plan and execute it and execute that plan well. Um, And, you know, if they get beaten by a better opposition, so be it. But if they stick to what they believe in and stick to their method, their style that they've been building on and build that consistency, then I think they'll do well. Yeah. um, I'll I'll chip in there. I think
1: I agree with all that, but at the same time, I think – the one for me is England. I mean, if we can beat England at Twickenham, I don't really care much what else goes on that tour, you know. If we can get up for those big games, I mean, yeah. we might well drop one along the way, you know, whether that's in Wales or whether that's in, uh, in Scotland. Um, you know, I'd like to get some retribution on what happened in Sydney. But, um, you know, I, I think consistency is one thing. But if we can get up and beat the Poms, because, I mean, if, if we've lost now, what, four on the trot to them, um, I'd like to end that streak. Matt, what's, what's your aim for the rest of the year?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, I think that's a really important one, mate, but it's um, – and by the way, yeah, thanks for letting me into the podcast here um, – would be uh, – Excuse me, mate. Do you want to talk for another 20 minutes on the stats
1: again? <laughs> I, can, I can give you another 20 minutes if you want. Oh.
0: Uh, no, look, I'm, I'm sure you'll just lose the recording and just record what you want, like last week, mate. Yeah. So <laughs> Um, but, look, uh, if, you, if you, I can play two scenarios here, right? One scenario is, well, we lose to New Zealand. Um, you know, we kind of, uh, you know, beat Japan, um, beat Wales, you'd hope, lose to England because they're a bit tough, and, I don't know, have a tight one against Scotland. You know, if we lose that, then it's like that's a shocker as, of a back end of the year. Even if we win it, we've lost those other two highlights. I think it's kind of like, nah. Same old Wallabies, you know, not quite there. It's, 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 you know, they're not of that vintage of the World Cup, for example, um, and they're obviously not there yet. And I guess we can kind of write that off and say, hey, they're still developing and everything else. But, you know, I think it'll still be leaving people going, Phew, I don't know, you know, it's been a rough couple of years from the Wallabies' perspective. Put this another way around, let's say we win all of those bar, say, New Zealand, and you'd go, bugger, yeah, another close one. Um, but then go on and, you know, finish that off and absolutely, you know, obviously put away Japan, Wales and Scotland, but like you say, also beat England at Twickenham. I think everyone would be going, hmm, that's not a bad end to the year. And, you know, at least we've got some good international standing. Throw in a win against New Zealand and those other four. And I think you can pretty much erase the rest of the year and everyone would be like, wow, okay. This is a team that's that's really going places. So, you know, I I think there's a lot to play for um, if you kind of play through those permutations. Um, Anything that's a bit, you know, mix and match, I think it's like, uh, you know, nothing much changed. Put in a really strong performance. um, God, if you could whitewash it. But even if you took New Zealand out of it, if you won those four matches, I think that would be a very good way to finish off the year and it'd give people a lot of hope especially as you say dowsing the palms. put it another way losing five times on the trot to the palms. oh my god
1: mm. yes no thank you um, so yes still so plenty to play for for the rest of the year and starting I think with that Brisbane though and I, I think you know, uh, if you were sitting at the bat at the half time mark in that first Bledisla, you would think they'd struggle to get 10,000 people to that game. And now you've got to hope there's a bit of optimism behind Australian rugby, a bit of optimism behind the team, and we can get a big crowd in because we know how good Suncorp can be. So to all of our Brisbane listeners um, and and all of our Argentinian listeners, if you want to come over and watch the Brisbane Bledisla, you're more than welcome to, um, and we will see you all there. Um, around the grounds, we'll finish with a bit of a summary of what happened this week in the NRC. Uh, the Drua had a big win over the Rams at TG Milner. So just when we thought they were fading away, it looked like um, they have come back. And Nick, I'll get your input in a little bit. I'll just go through the scores because I know you were there for that game. Um, we had Queensland Country, a narrow win over the Country Eagles, the New South Wales Country Eagles. Uh, 34-31, though, they did have a big lead in that game and did just hang on. Uh, Frankston Park in in Melbourne, uh, the rising got dusted by the Vikings, 36-12, and they are peaking at the right time. The Canberra Vikings are one to watch. And in the last game of the round, um, Brisbane came down to Rat Park in Sydney and put some points on the Rays, winning 46-29. So, once again, some high-scoring games in the NRC. Uh, Nick, you were out at TG Milner on, on uh, Saturday, and uh, it was a festival of rugby at uh, Pacifica Day there with some schoolboys action followed by uh, the rams Druid game. What were your
2: thoughts? Oh, what a day. What a day. It was I, – I must, you know, uh, tip my hat to, uh, to the Rams management and Rob over at the Rams because – um, good on them for organising this with the, you know, the Australian schools and uh, and New Zealand schools competitions. It was a wonderful day. You know, TG Mil is a fantastic ground to watch to watch rugby at, and you know, it was. I reckon the, I reckon there were, you know, for the Australian school and um, New Zealand schoolboys, there were in excess of five thousand people there. Um, which, and it was the atmosphere was fantastic. And what was really great was, was that, you know, after that match, obviously quite a few people were following the schoolboys team, but the vast majority of people stuck around for that, uh, for that rams Drua game. And it was, and the atmosphere was great. It was, there was all, and the actual, you know, the teams themselves, um, cause obviously the Rams have been huge champions of, uh, of until the Drua arrived of Pacific Rugby because um, I was also at the other Pacific around fixture the year before at, at Concord, and that was a fantastic day. But uh, they they topped it with this one. It was, you know, the, t- the actual teams as well, they actually played the game in fantastic spirit. Um, and it was, you know, because, I mean, the, the, the whole thing I've kind of noticed from the NRC this year is that they're going much more towards a club rugby angle. They're kind of p- pushing it to more towards club rugby. And I feel like... You know, at least for the Rams, they achieved that brilliantly um, with what they did at, with uh, what they did at T.G. Milner. You know, I, even though the the they lost the game, I I hope that many people come back because you know the, the general vibe around the ground after the the day was over was just a celebration of all things that were really good um, about not about rugby in general. And you know, for a day like that, you can't ask for much more. It was a wonderful day.
1: Well, that's that's fantastic to hear. And and in those schoolboy games, I just thought uh, a bit of a recap: the uh, New Zealand defeated Australia 34-11. Although it was 17-11 with about 15 minutes to go, so the Kiwis ran out a couple of eight tries. But um, unfortunately, another loss there to our uh, Trans Tasman brothers. Um, And the Barbarians, the Australian School Barbarians, got up. Uh, by a point over Fiji, 18-17. So a big weekend in rugby, um, plenty going on, a big round of NRC coming up once again, um, and two weeks until another is low. So aren't we in for a treat? So I'd encourage everyone to get out to some of their NRC games this week, um, and we will be back next week. Thank you for joining me uh, on the podcast, Matt and Nick. It's fantastic. Well,
0: well, thanks for having us,
1: Yeah.
2: Thanks, mate. Um, feels, uh, very yeah, honoured. Indeed, feels very. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, sorry, interrupted again. It's it's. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, <laughs> we're getting there. It's it's Nick. You've come in new to the team. We've got to develop those combinations, but we uh, we'll we'll get there. Um But yeah, it's it's weird to have other people on here. Actually, I found it. um Yeah, a bit of a bit of an unnerving experience. Just yeah, you know, used to used to my own insights, which. You know, I think it probably, you know, sometimes a little bit better than what's put out by, by others on this podcast, but we'll, we'll leave that to one side. Um, and, and look, Reg isn't here. So, I mean, can we get a dig at, dig at the Reds in late? I mean, aren't they a shambles? We haven't even touched on them, Matt. I mean, Matt, can you give us some thoughts on the Brad Thorne saga?
0: Uh yeah. <laughs> I Haven't we done this before or was that on the podcast you deleted? Um it feels like you know at least we need one of those wheel of fortunes where you then put who the next Red's coach is gonna be on it and just give it a big spin. Um, because that's kind of what it feels like. But uh look, good luck to Brad. Um let's hope he's gonna you know, turn the whole ship around. Um, but well, actually,
1: i've I've heard a I've heard a rumor actually that Rugby Reg isn't on this podcast tonight because he is camped out in the Queensland Reds car park and uh, <laughs> <laughs> waiting for a job. Uh, you know, because you could get anything if you're around there at the moment, from CEO down to water boy. I think they're all on the table.
0: we'll just make sure he gets more than a one year contract. Um, that's a good, <laughs> yes. a good a good way to go. But please come back, Reg. Please save us from you. <laughs>
1: okay, that's enough. out of you, Matt. That's enough. Um, (laughs) Fantastic, thanks so much for joining us uh, everyone and we will look forward to uh, seeing you next
2: week
0: Heels off the top Larkham Herbert smashes through the middle Regan Drop goal from Larkham Up it goes Could
2: you believe it Rockham has to be a de-bearer.